0: reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado.
1: Sacramento. Three on
2: one. Bagley the step. Bagley with the dunk. And you can put it in the book and send it to the lost. There it is. Buddy Hill alone at the top of the Kings record book to see Fox
1: Force 5 in the open court in the Fox into the lane oh if you don't like that you don't like Kings basketball
0: oh. Welcome to another episode of the Kings Pulse podcast I am your host Brendan Nunez and there's no Rich today he's getting started on that Kings wedding going on and I have Tim Maxwell with me how you doing Tim good man how are you I'm doing good I appreciate you taking the time to come on and talk with me a little bit here yeah, of course. And I, I'm I'm a little offended. I've been on this my second time on and Rich has dropped out both times. So I'm not really sure what that says about our friendship. <laughs> yeah, Rich was like, you know, I can't make it. It's perfect for you to talk to Tim. So I don't have to do it. <laughs> That's a cool exactly. One. We yeah. talk enough in person. <laughs> but you just put out a great article. I believe it was yesterday morning, a center breakdown for the Sacramento Kings this offseason. And I was just recommending you right before we started anyone that hasn't read that article make sure to check it out it goes in depth on all of the needs and we can break it down a little bit in here as well I really wanted to talk to you about these centers and break it down here the first thing I have for you is what do you feel like and I know you said this in there but what are the main needs that we're looking for in a center this offseason
2: yeah, um, so for me, there there were four main areas of concern that I wanted to address in this article. Uh, that was rim protection. So the Kings were a bottom-two rim-protecting team last year, and I think we all can realize that from the lack of effort from Willie Cauley-Stein. Um, we were also a poor rebounding team. Um, and then the two areas in which we were actually pretty good in last year that I want to make sure or I would want to make sure if I were in charge that we were not sacrificing too much of in a big man uh, would be floor-stretching for De'Aaron Fox's attacks, And then rim running as well, just to make sure that when Fox attacks, not only do we have spacing on the floor, like I just mentioned, but also someone to catch lobs and and offer that vertical threat and and pull that big man away from Fox, or if he doesn't get pulled away, then to give him an easy alley target. Um, So those are really my four areas of concern. Um, The the key is, as well, we can't address all four with one player, but just seeing who could best meet the needs and then identifying which needs are most important from those four.
0: Yes, and the future of the back court, front court, excuse me, really feels like it's going to be Giles Bagley. Um, is who we're getting as a center here feel like a placeholder for you until Giles is ready? I mean, we assume Bagley's going to be in that four. I know you kind of hinted at it, um, and it changes based on the guy, but does it feel like that this is just a momentary thing and eventually you're going to see Bagley-Giles side-by-side?
2: Side? You know, I
0: hope if we see Bagley-Giles.
2: I-, I think we can all tell... Bagley's ready, right? I mean, he was he was great yeah. as a rookie. Certainly had flaws in his game, but was a wonderful player. Was exciting to watch. Seemed like he's a future All Star level type player. Um, Giles had his moments, certainly, especially towards the end of the season, and, and he he seems to have great potential, uh, but he doesn't necessarily project at the same level as Bagley, depending on his health and and his ability to stay on the court, even with things like fouling. Um, so I, I think the Kings are going to swing for the fences this summer with Nikola Vucevic. Um, and then if they fail to get his all-star level talent, because he's really the only all-star level talent the Kings have a shot at, in my opinion, um, then they're going to settle for more of a placeholder, someone someone that they might pay a lot of money to, but hopefully um, on a short-term contract. Just because why pay someone? I mean, you kind of hinted at it, right? Why pay someone? If, if Bagley and Giles are the future, you don't want to pay a, a $25 million bench player and you don't want to prohibit the growth of of Giles or Bagley either or take away from their court opportunities. So I think the Kings are going to swing for the fences with one player, Nikola Vucevic, and if they can't land him, uh, then they're going to go for that placeholder, which is probably the smarter move in the long run.
0: Yeah. And with Bagley-Giles boasting more minutes next season, do any of the two main worries that you were saying in rim protection and rebounding I feel like mainly rebounding here. Do you feel like there's a less of a worry there with Bagley and Giles getting more minutes? I know that you did a breakdown and showed that they definitely struggled there, but obviously, you know, first year there's a lot of room to improve.
2: Yeah. And I mean, you know, we all talk about, right. They need to hit the weight room more than anything um, and and get those rebounding instincts down. Bagley was a great offensive rebounder last year and defensive rebounding was, was uh, below average, but yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, These guys will get better. Do we trust them both to be such a good rebounder that we don't need to have that concern anymore? I'm not sure if I would go that far, but I would expect you know Bagley hit that 18 percent defensive rebounding percentage last year. I'd expect him to jump up to 20, 21 percent, which is about league average, and Giles to come in at about the same pace. Um, Are you are you kind of feeling the same way where they don't? We don't really rebounding is not as big of a deal as maybe the other three.
0: Yeah, definitely. It was interesting to me that when I had broken down their numbers earlier as well, kind of keeping up that they did struggle on that end, especially Bagley felt like a good rebounder. But like you pointed out, it was mainly defensively. And I do think that the weight room and just watching film of learning position and really fighting for the rebound seconds before the shot goes up rather than right before it goes up, making sure you get good positioning. I think it'll come with time and they both seem like they want it at least, you know, like Willie Cauley-Stein is capable in every way, but he could just care less. Bagley and Giles seem like they won't necessarily have that issue. So I'm definitely on board with you that I feel like the rebounding is a little lesser here compared to the rim protection.
2: For for sure. And um, one thing I, I looked at didn't make it into the piece was Bagley's average rebounding distance, which is how many feet he was away from defensive rebounds when he was actually securing the rebound, was the highest of any big man. And I think that's because we saw the King had him out guarding power forwards and, and fours a lot. So as hopefully he moves towards the interior, as he gets stronger, I, I think that'll help make up for it. But of the four, I would say rebounding is, is my least concern.
0: Okay. Again, of those four rim protection, defensive rebounding, three point shooting and rim running. Do any of them feel like requirements that if someone doesn't have it, that they're not, there's no space for them on this team.
2: You know, Rim protection seems really important to me. They don't have to be excellent, I would say. Um, I, I wrote this in an article. Anyone that's not Willie Cauley-Stein is going to be better because Willie Cauley-Stein was legitimately the worst rim-protecting center that played <laughs> significant minutes last year. So yeah. we're going to get better, and that's assuming we don't re-sign Willie Cauley-Stein, let's, let's knock on wood and hope that doesn't happen. Um, but, yeah, it, as, as long as they're an average rim protector, you know, our guard, Mostly try hard on the defensive end, but they're even De'Aaron Fox, who projects as a really good defender, isn't there yet as a 21 year old. So, having someone who's at least average would be really important to me because we saw that last year where as soon as someone penetrated the lane, it was layup city. The Kings had um, the the second worst defensive uh, field goal percentage of the rim, meaning how well opponents shot at the rim when defended by the Kings. They had the second worst in the league, only to the Cavaliers. So. When you're, when, you're talking, when you're comparing yourself to the Cavaliers in any metric, um, you know you need help in that area. Are, are you feeling the same about that?
0: Definitely. I mean, the Cavaliers are hoping to get a number one pick the next three years. The Kings are trying right. to keep trending upwards. So <laughs> not an name by exactly what it's mentioned next to. And you, get a, you did a good job of pointing out that I felt like the Kings' defense wasn't terrible this year, and, but the fact that you have no rim, protect, no rim protection uh That one glaring hole makes a very big difference. And the offensive rebounds, like getting another possession is just the most demoralizing thing. Really, on those second possessions, you see brain lapses more. It's just more of a chance of someone slipping up. And that was a big issue. Um The last thing to kind of preface here before we get into some guys, I wanted to see what you think uh about the amount of minutes that are going to be avail- available for a center we bring in. Last center, we had Willie Cauley-Stein running 27 minutes. And I figured that we could figure this by sort of looking at the jumps that we think Bagley and Giles will take minutes. Um, 27 for Cauley-Stein last year. Bagley was at 25. Do you see that number? I would assume it increases a bit here, but how much higher? Yeah,
2: I, I, if Bagley doesn't play more than 25 minutes, we're going to be firing our next coach as well, right? <laughs> um, that was one of the big deals with Dave Yeager. Uh, I think he'll hit probably the 32 to 34 minute mark, and I think that's a pretty appropriate mark for a second year big man. Assuming there's no foul trouble, things like that. So you got 34 minutes for Bagley. Charles, man, he's such a big question mark for me. I don't really see him playing more than 22 to 25 minutes, and that would be on the on the upper end for me. Both due to health concerns. I mean, he did miss the last chunk of the season, and just you know, fouling concerns, making sure he's impacting the game on, on a positive level. Emily um, Bielitsa as well, so he's probably he, he deserves 15 to 20 minutes a game. So I, I think the higher um, level player, right? You you add to the team. I think Bielitsa would drop his minutes first, and then Giles. I don't think Bagley's minutes are really moving. So you're looking at anywhere from 15 if it's a low end player to really 25 minutes a game. I could maybe 27 minutes a game. I could find for this player. So you know, a a guy like Nikola Vucevic, who I've mentioned a couple of times, is he going to be satisfied with 25 minutes a game and and a lower usage rate? I'm not sure that's really what he's looking for next year.
0: Yeah, that was the first one I was going to talk about with you here, and Vucevic, it seems like it's going to be max money. I saw you throw around three-year 100, but I've seen that there's ideas of um, Orlando bringing him back, I don't know if they're paying a five-year max. That seems a little much for Vucevic, but is there almost this, if you're going to spend money, now is the time to do it before you're paying the extensions for Fox and Bagley?
2: Yeah, so that, that's that's the key, right? Um, I, I mentioned this in a, in a totally separate article, right? The Kings have money this summer and next, and, and beyond this summer and next, they're out of money between a Fox extension, a heeled extension, uh, a bogey extension, a potential Giles extension. They're, they're going to be a tax team most likely. So you've got to spend the summer next. Now, what you mentioned, you know, with like the five year max with Orlando, you know, if the Kings give Bucevic a, a four year, I think it's like $140 million max or whatever yeah. it is. Um, you know, he's 28, so that means he's going into 32, 33 age range, and he's a one-year all-star, right? He had his best season of his career, which, you know, he's right in his prime right now, but I'm paying prime now and prime when he's 32 is a little steep. Um, so I agree with you that they're, they're going to have to give him a max, I think, if they want to really pursue him, right? I could see the Kings saying, hey, if we can get a kind of a deal on this guy at uh, 3 for ninety, three 3 for 100, we'll throw that offer out there, and then if he declines, oh, well. Um, which I think is what's probably going to happen. Just the little tidbits I've heard is that I don't think the Kings will offer a max, but if they really are serious about acquiring vucic a max is what's going to get it done.
0: It would take close to, I believe it was $32 million just in the first year, and the Kings currently yeah. only have 33 available. available. Um, obviously, there's hopes of reworking with Barnes. Maybe it saves you $5 million, but it's taking up almost all of your money here, and there's really you would hope to get other impactful players at these other positions. Right. And I know Vucevic was your, was your number one option here when you sort of added up what everyone did best, but is it almost that he does more than you need that you almost are looking for a role player almost in this role rather than like you said, someone that has seen an all-star team, even if only one year.
2: Yeah, that's a conundrum, right? I mean, so Vucevic, right. All-star level player. He played like an all-star last year. He deserved that nod. Um, you know, one thing I looked at with Vucevic, and one reason I've been uncomfortable, I've kind of, I, I really flip-flop back on Vucevic on an almost daily basis because he averaged 70 touches a game last year, 70. And I think all of the Kings big men last year, I, I'm going to get the number wrong, but it was something like 145 between all the bigs. So where is he going to get his touches? And if he's not getting his touches, he's not getting his usage. Is he, is he a max level player anymore if he's only playing 24 minutes a game and scoring, you know? However many points grabbing however many rebounds. So the the question I guess for that the Kings have to answer for themselves and if we're debating it what we have to answer is is Harry Giles the future? Because if Harry Giles is the future, I think we know Bagley's the future. If Giles, if Giles is his partner going forward, then Vucevic is, is a bad call. If there is doubt about Giles's ability to stay on the court or doubt about his ability to be a high level starter over the next three years, then you know like you said spend your money now and then worry about the fit later. But definitely some concerns for me as of right now, I would not max Nikola Vucic I would offer him like a three for 90 deal. I think that's a pretty, pretty savvy move by the Kings, but I would not offer him a max. Would you?
0: I don't think I would. And it's the same yeah. reasons that you said a lot of those touches. I mean, Vucevic comes here, he's going to get what's his and he rightfully deserves it. I mean, he is a good player, but I yeah. feel that we're getting very close. If we're not already, already at Vucevic's ceiling. And that uh, bringing him in alone is going to get us more wins last year. I could say that it would likely get us in the playoffs here, but that's not the final goal. And the way that we're going to be able to get to championship contender level is getting Fox and Bagley the ball in their hands as much as possible, help th- let them grow just by experiencing it and really being the one two of a team. And Vucevic takes that away, I feel like.
2: Yeah. And, and one thing we've we've chatted about um, among the guys at Sacktown is. Um, you know, if, if you max Booch, and let's just say we extend Barnes, right, that's your core for the next four years, right? Whatever guys we have, yeah. right? Fox, Bagley, Bogey, Buddy, Booch and Mitch, and Barnes. And if that's not at least a finals contending team in the next three years, then you, you've made a blunder. Um, Fox and Bagley and, to a lesser extent, Buddy and Bogey and Giles need to be the focus of the future and propping them up. Um, rather than pushing them down should be the goal this summer um, if the Kings want to reconstruct this team correctly, which they've done well so far over the last two years. The question is, are they going to swing too early and and really strike out?
1: Are you currently paying off student debt, interested in improving your financial literacy, or looking for new ways to earn income in today's ever-changing digital landscape? Well, on the Talk Money with Mesh Lakani podcast, Mesh will follow paper trails, chat with experts, and break down complex ideas to bring clarity to the mystical financial phenomena. Each episode will be filled with compelling stories covering a broad range of subjects, from buying Bitcoin, dealing with student debt, and everything in between. Listen to Talk Money with Mesh Lakani on Spotify or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts and learn how to spend, invest, and earn for
0: today's economy. Do you feel like that team could be a championship contender in, what was your timeline, four years? Yeah, four
2: years, man. I mean it's it's potential, right? Because Fox and Bagley are the are the biggest pieces of that, right? So if Fox gets the All Star level if Bagley gets where we think he could get at a at a Chris Bosch slash Amari Stademeyer slash Blake Griffin hybrid or tribrid, I've no idea how you would call that, whatever you would call that. Um then then yeah, I think that's a championship level team. If Fox or Bagley doesn't quite get to their ceiling, now you're paying a lot of guys a lot of money to, you know, maybe you're in a Memphis Grizzlies situation over the last several years where it's just been, you know, six, five, six, seven seed, which would be wonderful for King Sands. I mean, don't get me wrong. But if that's your perpetual window for the next four years, then, then you could be in some trouble. Although, you know, the, the counter to that is in four years, Fox will be 25 and Bagley will be 23. So you still haven't even hit their prime. So that's the other side of the argument.
0: But do you feel like the chances go down? Say that we managed to get Deadman on a four-year contract are the chances that much worse of really propelling to that championship level since it does mainly go on the shoulders of Fox Bagley and the other young guys if we had Vucevic four years compared to Deadman for
2: what you're doing in that case right so if, if we can substitute Vucevic for Deadman which was who is the other high highest ranking person they tied in scores um Edmonds a slightly better rim runner, and Vucevic is a slightly better rebounder. But they're both excellent fits for the Kings. They both stretch the floor. Um, what you're doing is you're relying on the young talent, like you just mentioned. So, if I believe, and this is what I've kind of preached on Twitter, um, and I preach a lot on Twitter, so this is one of the things I preached on Twitter, mm-hmm. is if you think Giles is ready, then Dedmon is the right choice, or one of the right choices, because you're, you know, like you said, you're not spending a ton. Um, he, he's easily assimilated as a bench player or as a starter. He's averaged 24-ish minutes a game for the last few years. So he's not, you know, Vucevic is going to demand touches. He's going to demand minutes. He's going to demand, and not in a bad way, but just due to his level yeah. of play. Whereas Deadman, you know, if Giles is ready 10 games in the season next year, I can move Deadman to bench and I have a strong bench player and I'm I'm good to go for the future. So in a way, if Giles is ready, um, and Bagley is ready to take that next step in the next two years then then, yeah, I think the team is better set up, even just money wise further cap flexibility to get better role players. like you said, we Max Luvich this summer, we are not getting any other good free agents. That's just the line you're drawing on the sand there.
0: yeah, agreed with you there. And if we are talking, Giles Bagley as a future front court. My struggle is, I feel like offensively it'll work fine. You know, positions on offense aren't the same as you need these defined. What's a four? What's a five necessarily? And, but it's the defensive end. And it's really gonna be, I I don't know who is guarding these big, these big fours. I mean, in these playoffs, you know, both of these guys can guard a Draymond. We even saw Dudley at the five sometimes. Siakam, Ibaka, these guys can both do that. But when you're facing these bigger guys like a Marc Gasol, Andre Drummond, Joel Embiid, do you feel like either of these guys are going to reach a point where they can really at least slow them down? Obviously, they're beasts and in a way unstoppable at times. But which of these guys feels like they can handle them on the five position defensively? I
2: think it's going to end up being Giles. And I feel uncomfortable saying that because I've preached back as a center for a while. Um, so I feel like I'm betraying myself, but Giles I think has better defensive instincts than Bagley. Bagley showed some so sh- showed some chops as a as a rim protector last year, as a pure shot blocker, help defender. But Giles, we we've seen him get in passing lanes. He's he seems to have a little bit more defensive fire than Bagley. Again, nothing against Bagley, just Giles likes to get in guys' faces and trash right. talk. I mean, he got ejected from a suburban league game. I mean, the guy likes <laughs> to compete. Um, so I, I think. If you're if Giles and Bagley are the future, your the two strategies you're gonna have to use on defense is one, your quicker, thinner, um, shooting esque big men and Giles and Bagley are just gonna have to play the big guys off the floor, you know, like we've seen happen in the playoffs where Clint Capella got played off the floor. That's kinda gonna have to be your strategy. And then as well as, you know, you got not not saying Perry Giles is anything close to Draymond Green right now but if Harry Giles can get to the point as a defender where he's like Draymond where he can just kind of get down on his haunches and just bully guys in the paint even bigger guys you know almost like a Chris Paul even does or a Kyle Lowry or James Harden um, that's going to be your other strategy so I agree with you you're not going to have that bruiser or I guess the other thing is then that's when you have a bench bruiser to come in and and help support that team but there there are definitely concerns Um, with the size of Giles and Bagley and and some injury history with both of them
0: as well. And sort of back to some of the potential bigs this offseason, we touched on Deadman, and the other one that I feel like falls in the same category of really ticking a lot of these boxes, mainly three-point shooting, is Lopez and Deadman. They are the only ones left, aside from Vucevic, that hit a three, um, respectfully, in any sort of way. I know some of the others had attempts here and there. But... It feels like, and Deadman has been the one, number one option for a lot of people. Like you said, he checked the same amount of boxes as Vucevic. He's 28. He just played in the highest-paced team in Atlanta. Uh, spaces the floor, does everything, but is a whole lot cheaper. But, if, and theoretically, in regards to what he brings, but I feel like L- Lopez and Dedman are going to be in such high demand this offseason because they are the only two sort of traditional bigs left that also space the floor. Do you think that it's going to be difficult for any team to get their hands on those guys? And I know they both kind of want to go back to where they are right now also.
2: Yeah, I mean, we, we've, we've heard reports that Vucevic doesn't really favor Sacramento. I think that came out a few weeks ago. Now, how reliable that report is, who knows? Um, yeah, I think Brook Lopez is going to be difficult to get. You're right, he's in a perfect situation in Milwaukee. He's got Giannis, who's just tearing apart the lane. He's got um, support all around him. He's, he can just... Not that this is all he wants to, do, but he can bomb away seven three pointers a game, protects the rim, and and that's his role, right? He's he's like he's like a different version of Clay Thompson, obviously not nearly as skilled, but he, he has defined um, roles that he excels at.
0: Yeah. So it for, the, like an for the MLE candidate for me, it was about like pe- teams could throw the MLE of forty or forty at him, and that's what I saw from Milwaukee a lot also.
2: Yeah, I, I think I think if you're pulling Lopez out of Milwaukee and just frankly pulling away from any other contenders of money,
0: you're you're
2: gonna you're gonna pay. Um, you know the the number I've thrown out is fifteen to twenty million a year. Yeah. That may be way off. I'm I'm terrible at guessing for agent contracts. Not a skill I think anyone in this world possesses. To be honest with you, um, but you're gonna pay fifteen to twenty million dollars a year, and he's thirty four. Am I right on that? Thirty one, so on right. I believe. Thirty one. Man, I'm way off. Okay um yeah so he's he's in his 30s so if you're paying him three years let's say 60 million dollars you're paying until he's 34 35 that that's a that's a front-end payment for for a back-end sacrifice so i I think they can get him and he is a really good fit i would really like lopez on the keys and he's kind of that mid-range non-max of a vucevic but non-cheap level of a deadman but you're going to be paying quite a bit of cash to get him to come to sack
0: yeah and the difference between him and deadman obviously a whole lot more threes, but that rim protection of Lopez, um, What you had an interesting stat on there where the guys that had good rim protection in regards to percentage uh, changed at the rim and blocks didn't always correlate to their team's rim protection when they were on the floor. And am I right in thinking that Lopez was a big difference there, that individually he did a great job, but his team was actually worse with him on the floor?
2: Yeah, his team was slightly worse with him on the floor, um, and the interesting thing is he was a terrible rebounder, but his team was way better when he um, was on the floor for rebounding, so that was an interesting dichotomy there. Uh, he was the second best um, statistical uh, rim protector, so he averaged uh, the second most blocks per 75 possessions, so he, he ranked only second to Nurland's Noel, um, and then his defensive field goal percentage of the rim was the best, um, so... Opposing players shot 11.4% worse at the rim when he was in the game, or when, excuse me, when he defended opponents. To put that in perspective, Rudy Gobert, I think, landed at about 10.8%, 10.8%. Yeah. Willie Cauley-Stein was a positive 2.9%. <laughs> so you're looking at a, a, a almost 14% differential between how opponents shot between Willie Cauley-Stein and Brooke Lopez. So that's where if rim protection and three-point shooting are your priorities, because I think everyone kind of just needs to pick two, then Brooke Lopez looks like an ideal candidate. Although there are some questions about his rebounding abilities, um, even though his team is better when he's on the floor, he's not a good individual rebounder and he never has been.
0: Yeah. And am I right in thinking that out of these, that Dedman was your number one option? I saw, so I saw you throw around four different contracts and ask him what people would prefer. I want to see what you had picked. Um, you threw three or a hundred million Vucevic three-year, 60, Lopez, three-year, 45, Deadman, and the same three-year, 45, DeAndre Jordan. It was pretty easy for me to pick Deadman here. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think production fit, um, ease of ease of transferring between the
2: bench and starters, three-point shooting, rim protection, rebounding. I mean, he was, if I have my chart here, he was average or better in all four categories of rim protection, rebounding, floor spacing, and rim running. Um, and then he was elite in two of those categories. Yeah. So and that was in Forest spacing and rim running. So, I just I haven't heard a single mention of the Kings being interested in Deadman, and I, I think it may be a, a big name splash desire of the Kings. And Deadman's certainly not a big name in the NBA. Um, but I hope we see those talks or those rumors start to percolate soon. Maybe the Kings will read my article and listen to me for for one time.
0: <laughs> I mean, I've heard nothing but great things. I've talked to Chris Kirshner is the Athletic cover for the Hawks. About mm-hmm. Deadman's impact in the locker room, all the young guys absolutely love having him there. I like the idea of a bit more of a veteran, almost in a way, even which is weird to say about a 28-year-old, but in comparison to Vucevic. Um, right. And there was a quote from one of these Chris Kirshner articles. It was very interesting. Um, and just to read it real quick, it's quote: "The young core we have is a special, is a special group of guys." To be here for that will definitely be something special. I love the city of Atlanta, but whatever happens, happens. Um, It's fairly normal to say you love the city you're in, but I've heard Deadman say nothing but wanting to come back. And him liking being around young guys is something that I feel like we don't know, but Lopez might not have in the same way that if having tasted a championship, it feels like their priorities could be in different places here.
2: Yeah, that, that's a great point. And Deadman has worked his way through the league, right? He, he hasn't always been, or he's well, he's never been a star, but he's he was not in the league for a while. So I think for him, I, this is just making, me making an assumption about him as a person, but I could see that resonating with him. Hey, I want to help these young guys along because I had, similar struggles and I had to fight my way for a place in this league so you know locker room is, is a big deal to the Kings um, according to what they say and you know Harrison Barnes seems like an excellent locker room leader and if you're going to add another guy in Deadmond that also portrays those same traits I mean that, that's just another another bonus point for a guy of Dedman's caliber.
0: The next one I wanted to go into well the other two that you had that you seem to approve of were Lopez, Vucevic, Deadman and then then De, uh, DeAndre Jordan and Rashawn Holmes. The next one I wanted to go into was DeAndre Jordan, and we've heard this sort of narrative that there's empty rebounds. Like he was the best percentile-wise in defensive rebounding percentage, I believe it said in your article. And is there? Do you buy anything to this? Of some of these are sort of pseudo rebounds. That I mean, how do you how do you get a fake rebound? Really, right? Yeah, it's
2: it's interesting. So Jordan is my Achilles heel of this group um, for a lot of reasons. He, everyone, so if you talk to like a writer for the Mavericks last year, so we'd like TJ Messiah who just joined our crew. She was, she was the writer. She writes for the Mavericks full time. Um, she would tell us not to sign Jordan, to not touch him. I um, mean, I'm, I'm going to put words in her mouth, but she said that many, many times. And, um, you know, I don't know if you remember this is a random clip from last year when he was on the Mavericks, but there was a point where Luka Doncic was going after a rebound and DeAndre just kind of ripped it from him. And, yeah. and Luka was clearly annoyed that that occurred. Um, so it, it's hard to, it's hard to say there is empty rebounds. He seems to be a guy that likes his stats and likes to get his rebounds. I mean, is that necessarily a bad thing? I, I can't say that's a bad thing. Um, the, the two things that I found interesting about his rebounding, you are correct. He is, the best or one of the best rebounders in the league defensively um 31 percent of the defensive rebounds here Cruz his team um is only two percent better when he's on the floor versus off which is about average for a center and uh another set I saw of his which I didn't put in the article because I I didn't I didn't have context for it so I didn't want to just accuse him of, of being something he wasn't um was he had one of the lowest rates of contested rebounds of any of the centers so the reason I, I didn't put that in the article is well maybe that's because guys aren't contesting rebounds when he's in the game because like oh shoot deandre jordan's just going to get that board why even bother for it um so i, I don't want to necessarily accuse him of anything that's unprovable but i think he's an excellent rebounder i think the rebound numbers may be a little bit inflated to what they would be on a team where he was a better part of a better assimilated i guess you could say i don't know if you feel the same
0: Yeah, I do. It's an interesting thing to figure out. We have a friend of the show that is, uh, it is Brian Zellum is who it is, of the Blue Hardwood podcast. He's a Mavs podcast. Oh yeah, I've been on there, yeah. Yeah, has told us the exact same thing that, I. you know, I never believed it, but DeAndre Jordan made me devalue rebounds so much this year because of that type of stuff of, really chasing rebounds that someone else could have gotten. I guess you could say Russell Westbrook is sometimes guilty of the same thing. It's not necessarily terrible, but he is a good rebounder. Sometimes the stats just might be a little bit misleading there. Um, One that was interesting to me is that he also was the highest in rim running on your list as well. And do you feel like that's going to start to delay? I'm sure or decay. I'm sure it already has a little bit, but he's 30 now you don't know it i would guess it's a 1 2 year deal something around there but do you worry that his effort and i've seen clips of him not running back that that really starts to decay even more here
2: i think so and and rim running when so i've seen some different people define rim running in different ways which was interesting to me because i had always had one thing in my head which was about basically in the half court Running at the rim and running at the rim in transition, whereas other people thought about it like rim to rim running. So that was an interesting thing to find out. Um, as far as in the half court, yes, he's a he's a wonderful rim runner in the pick and roll. So uh, 1.35 points per possession, which was the 94th percentile, means he's better than 94% of the league in that category. Um, he also drew the second highest number of fouls um, in that realm as well, almost doubled Willie Collie Stein. Um, so I think you'll see decay, and I think what I've, what I've kind of heard and read and, and talked to different Dallas writers about is if he's in the half court, he's an excellent option because he can sky, right? Some of really call sign, but he can actually catch the ball. Um, if you're in transition, which the Kings were the highest level of transition team in the NBA last year or second highest, depending on how you define that, he doesn't always run the court, run the floor. So that's a major concern for me is, okay, fine, he's a good half-court option, but if the Kings are, are in transition 25% of the time and he's lagging behind, then he's not really providing what we need on the floor, especially with his average to below-average um, rim protection. So I, I think he's a, an excellent rim runner right now. Like you said, if you sign him to a three-year deal, deal at 33, I think you're going to see him um, continue to decay. That was a good word you use for his decay
1: the king's pulse podcast is recorded and hosted on
0: anchor it is the easiest way to make a podcast and it is 100 free it gives you everything you need to record edit all of it so it sounds smooth and professional and upload it all from your phone and or your computer they distribute your podcast to every major platform they give you an opportunity to make some money in the process as well Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started.
1: The King's Pulse podcast is now available on the app PodCoin. That is an app where you literally get paid to listen to podcasts. Our podcast is on there. There's plenty of other great content as well. How it works is for regular listening, you earn one PodCoin every 10 minutes. There's bonus podcasts as well that will include the King's Pulse podcast that you earn one and a half pod coins for 10 minutes. And there's also streak listening where you can earn up to two or two and a half per 10 minutes and you can put those pod coins towards gift cards and other prizes as well that have a cash value. Be sure to download PodCoin and listen to our podcast and the rest of the podcasts that are on there as well.
0: It feels like if... DeAndre Jordan is the choice it is kind of that situation you had touched on of a placeholder for Giles um but do you feel like he would check enough boxes be able to fill in that starting center role next year potentially the year after also personally no and I get
2: the arguments for Jordan um you know we kind of talked at the beginning of the podcast right we think Bagley and Giles are going to be decent rebounders for their career so his his biggest asset is his rebounding, and if he can, if we already have other rebounds, he's an excellent rim runner, doesn't run hard in transition, and something I know Bryant West, um, who's one of our riders, complained about all last season with Dave baker is they never use Bagley in the pick and, pick and roll as a rim runner, very, very rarely. So I think Bagley can fill that role. I mean, he can jump out of the room. He's got a quick second jump. He's got good hands. I don't know why he can't fulfill that role for for De'Anne Fox and, and partner up there, so his strengths, I think, are going to be the biggest areas of growth for Bagman Giles. So for me, the fact that he fits two of the categories are also the two categories I'm the least concerned about. Are, are you worried about rim running as much, or are you kind of in my same boat?
0: I feel like if you can't three-point shoot, which obviously is only those top three guys, that I do want you to really excel at rim running. I think that it is vital here, but... Ranking the four, those are definitely uh, the last two. Rebounding is on an island by itself last. And then rim running, it it really feels like a choice between rim running and three-point shooting. Because I could get behind a guy like a Clint Capella, who's obviously a better level, but it's just straight rim running. Um, And I did like how Colley Stein did that for us. You touched on that a little bit. But... It is my least two favorite here. I've been able to talk myself into DeAndre Jordan a little more. We've seen his name thrown around a lot. It feels like there's a very good chance of him or Vucevic happening is the feel I kind of get. And I just probably optimistically tried to talk myself into the idea of bringing him in in purple. Hopefully he's a good mentor. I really value that in a guy we're bringing on. Um, I, I can get behind it. But it's more of a stretch than some of these other guys,
2: right? And and where you know, if the Kings go out and at DeAndre Jordan a high dollar contract, I'll be disappointed, right? Because we can do better now. If we go after a Vucevic or a Deadman, or at least we're rumored to be interested in those guys, those plans fall through, and you know we we fall back on DeAndre Jordan in the third or fourth. Um, I think there are better fits. There are cheaper options. I think there are so many more ways to improve the team at a higher level at a lower cost that like you said Jordan I can talk myself into him but I'm I'm not into it at all I'm I'm not a fan at
1: all
0: yeah agreed on board with you there and then the last name that you had listed interest in I mean we'll go through some of the others as well here but you touched on Rashawn Holmes at the end as well and a very intriguing thing about him that you did a good job of pointing out was that he has more switchability that it seems like these other guys don't And I don't really need a crazy amount of offense from these centers. Like I mentioned to Clint Capella, if if you can play defense and then just rim run, I'm fine with that. And Holmes almost feels like a extreme light version of that in a way, if you agree.
2: Yeah, that's, that's, that's a perfect anecdote. That's a perfect comparison is, is Clint Capella light. He can switch um, and he can switch and then recover to rim protect, which is such an important aspect of switching. If you can only switch and then run with the guard, but then you can't, protect the rim then you are of no use to me as a big man switching. Uh, that's that's not proper pick and roll or, or pick and pop defense. So for me, yeah, uh, he can he can rim protect really well um and he can rim run really well. He scored above average in both. The uh probably the biggest concern with Holmes is is his rebounding if that's not a concern moving forward then then that's not as big of a dagger in, in his signing. Um, the Suns were a much worse rebounding team with him on the floor. I think they dropped by like 5% in their defensive rebounding. But he was also replacing DeAndre Eaton a lot, who was an excellent rebounder. So that's, that's something to take into account in that context. Holmes isn't necessarily as young as I think sometimes people think he is. I can't run age off the top of my head. Um, but he's, 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 he's moved around the league a little bit. But I, I, would, I will say this, even though he scored lower, I would prefer Rashawn Holmes to DeAndre Jordan. Do you feel the same?
0: I do. And like you said, he, he's 25, so it's definitely younger than Jordan, you know, and the interesting with Holmes is that I have difficulty projecting his contract in a way. I mean, I would think maybe in this five million a year mark, maybe some teams paying higher, but I, I don't quite see it. I would see a one, maybe two year prove yourself if you want because you'll really have one chance to get uh, potentially a big contract after that. But he's coming off a four-year, $5 million contract, which I can't even say that I've really heard of. And I just, I don't know, what do you feel like the market is for Holmes? Am I in the ballpark around that $5 million range?
2: Yeah, I would say anywhere from five. I mean, $10 million seems high for, for a play of Holmes' yeah. caliber. I mean, there's a lot of money out there this summer. So I think what we're going to see this summer is obviously your, your top tier for agents that are all going to get paid, right? Then you're going to have a few guys get you know, way overpaid, right? Maybe like a an Ubre or a Deion, because the, the the big money is going to be gone. Um, so yeah, I think five to eight million dollars seems fair to me. I would happily sign him for that contract. That's pretty low. That's um, almost a room exception deal, which I get, if I could get him for the room exception, which is like four point five million. That'd be fantastic. Um, yeah, assuming no one really gets goes hard after Holmes. If you can approach him fairly early in free agency, lock him up for three years, 15, three years, 20. I think that's a pretty good deal for the Kings and would prevent them from making a much larger monetary mistake, which is another benefit.
0: And we've said it a couple times, but this is another situation where it would just mean that you have more faith in mainly Giles and that there's a lot more yeah. minutes going his direction. The other names that you broke down in the article, but didn't really touch on in the end is ones you might necessarily be interested in were some Ed Davis, uh Tyson Chandler, Nerlens Noel and Kem Birch. Does it reach a point where you'd rather have Coley Stein than any of these guys? Uh
2: no. Um I I, I Coley Stein is a better player than some of those guys. Right? I think he's probably a better player than Kem Birch. Um probably more talented than that Davis for me. The lack of consistency for Colley Stein, I don't know what I'm getting from him every night. I know what I'm getting from a Kemper or an Ed Davis every night. Uh, That plus the fact that I I think he will be a locker room issue wherever he goes if he doesn't start because he started for four years. Um, I think Colley Stein is a more talented player and quite possibly a more impactful player. But for the level of contributor those players you mentioned are, I know they're going to be my fourth man off the bench, or my fourth big off the bench, right? They're going to be my emergency big, my foul trouble big. Coley Stein wouldn't accept that role. So for me, I know I'm going to spend some money on a center this summer if I'm the Kings. That just seems to be a goal of theirs. So if I'm signing another guy, like a Birch or a Noel or a Chandler or someone like that, I know I'm not giving them big minutes or big responsibilities, whereas really Coley Stein, I think, would expect and uh, demand those responsibilities. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, it does. And that was the biggest frustration with Cully Stein is that you knew he was capable. So when he wasn't doing it, it was just the most frustrating thing. Do you think if we signed one of these guys on a smaller contract, it would leave a possibility to throwing a little bit of money at a four? Or is that just like a stretch for, say, a Miritich, even though he's on the more expensive side of it, but like a Marcus Morris? Or is that too repetitive with Bialica?
2: I think you could do that. And Um, Bielitsa had a very up and down year, right? Started off, shot like fifty one percent from three for the first couple of months, then tanked hard kind of towards the middle, towards the end, and then kind of recovered a little bit. Um so I don't think Bielitsa has to be in the rotation. I think he's a good enough player to be in the rotation. Uh but we've we've seen Marcus Morris has been associated with the Kings. I think Shams associated him with the Kings, if I'm not mistaken, a couple of days ago. So I I think the Kings could go that route. Um I know a lot of people really like Miritich. I don't think he's as good as people think he is, but I think the Kings could go that way where um, you're going to start, you know, a Miritich or a Morris and a Bagley and then bring off Giles and another center off the bench. My theme of this article, kind of my intro was the fact that the Kings have consistently insisted that Marvin Bagley is not a center for whatever reason, whether or not I agree with that, it frankly doesn't matter um they've insisted he's not a center for so for them to reverse that stance and then throw him in as a starting center against those and beads and cousins and drummonds would seem a, a really odd change of course for me
0: yeah I, i'm with you there and i agree that i do like bagley in that center role long term especially with like i said i mean we see dudley we see draymond green it's players that like yeah. it, having draymond green on the floor obviously he's a different level player but it was able to take out the traditional rim-running big of Clint Capella. And I feel like Bagley has that capability, especially with some weight put on. Um, Of those four guys left, of Davis Chandler, Noel Birch, is there any separation of any of them between the rest, or does it feel like this group all just goes in the same category?
2: Yeah, kind of same category. All have really like one big strength and maybe a couple of minor strengths. I've seen some people um you know just chatting about center i and like oh well Noel can um can defend the rim and then catch a lob. The guy can't even catch a lob, he can't play offense at all. Um so you know, Ed Davis, same thing, right? He can he can rebound the heck out of the ball, can't really rim protect, can't really rim. Run. Um Birch played well in limited minutes, he might be my favorite of the group just because I feel like he's the least explored option. He played well in Orlando when he got minutes on a statistical basis. So he might be my favorite low key option, just of, Hey, this guy's played pretty well. We didn't get Bucevic, We're going to sign a stretch four, and now we need some big man depth. Let's see what this kid's got. He might be my favorite um, unknown free agent right now. Um, do you have any, do you have any rankings of those guys or you kind of in the same boat?
0: Yeah, not necessarily. I do like Chandler, although you did disencourage me by pointing out that his rim protection wasn't as good as I thought it was. But like I've said a couple times, I do really value that veteran presence. And I think Chandler would yeah. be amazing at that. You know, former defensive player of the year. It would be great for Bagley and Giles to learn behind them. But skill-wise, it doesn't feel like any of them really separate themselves. Maybe Ed Davis because he seems to be a lead at one thing when none of these mm-hmm. other guys are. Uh, But it is rebounding, which we have said is the least needed out of all of these but that was all I had for you for the centers. I was going to ask you a bit of of our backup point guards and some shooting guards we talked about. Is there anything else that you feel like we missed out on or anything in your article that we didn't touch on?
2: No, I think that's pretty much it. Um, you can read the article, see the rankings. Um, you can disagree with the rankings. You can always tweet at me or DM me and I'll be happy to argue with you at any time. Um, there, there were a couple of center options that um, people kind of brought up after the fact, which one was Trevon Mooney. Um, I don't think he's a good fit for the Kings. I, I think you, I think you look at Warriors players and how well role player Warriors do after the fact, and they don't do well after the fact because the Warriors only demand they do the things they're good at, whereas the Kings aren't, don't have that level of talent. So a guy like Looney, a um, Tavail McGee, kind of fits in, in Tyson Chandler's category as well, although not as good of a mentor. So there are other center options out there that I did not include. I mean, Boogie Cousins I didn't include because I don't think he's a good fit either. So th- these were the guys I think could fill the role for Sacramento. But um, other than that, no, I, I think we pretty much covered everything that we've talked about me and in, in my, my thoughts enough, I think.
0: I do want to ask about Looney. I saw you tweet out about Warrior players getting overpaid because they are asking to do so little in this system and it makes them look good. They're doing it on big stages. I feel like Looney agreed that he will get overrated, but... He does seem like these skills will translate, not like someone like an Ian Clark where, you know, he goes and gets a decent sized contract and then feels practically completely useless in New Orleans. I feel like Looney has skills that will be able to translate to non-warrior teams of effort um, is a very big one, rebounding, and he rim runs a good amount as well and, and switching, guarding on the perimeter in a way.
2: Yeah, Looney's talented.
0: I, I don't want to take away from the talent of Looney. He he's a rotational big in the NBA, right?
2: Like you said, some of the role players the Warriors aren't even NBA players. He's a he's a rotational NBA player. He just doesn't fit what I think the Kings need. Like you said, he's a, he's a good rebounder and rim runner, which are the kind of the two areas we've discussed that aren't necessarily um, priorities. He can switch onto the perimeter as well. I just, I wouldn't foresee him taking minutes from Giles, Bagley, or Bielitza. If he can't take minutes from those three guys, I yeah. think he's going to get paid more than I want him to pay to be our emergency big.
0: Yeah, totally agreed. I don't see it for the Kings, um, but just like, Lu, like, I like Looney in general. And uh, keeping with these warrior guys, And transitioning into point guards here, Rich has a little bit of a slight crush on Quinn Cook, and he's another guy that fits this position. It's mainly that three-point shooting. He's definitely a good shooter from outside. Do you feel like that there could be a spot for Cook as this backup two? Backup one, sorry.
2: Backup one, yeah. um, So the question I continuously ask myself about backup point guard, right? so we've got Gibby right now. He's making $3.1 million. If we... We've we've heard whispers and inklings and things like that, that the Kings might move on from both Mason and Pharrell um, this summer. And if that's true, what I need is I need the guy I pay to be significantly significantly enough better than Yogi that whatever I'm paying him makes sense, right? So I don't think Clint Cook will get a huge contract. I don't think. Um, so I, I wouldn't hate bringing him on board. And, and kind of what the Kings did with Mason and Yogi early last year was, okay, You two battle it out, and whoever wins is going to get that backup point guard spot. I wouldn't say right now I'm confident he's a significant upgrade over Yogi, Um, although he might be a slightly better fit with Bogey um, playing off the ball a little bit. But I like him. I wouldn't hate the contract. I'm just not sure if that's where I want to spend my money either.
0: Agreed. It's definitely not a number one option. I know it's not for Rich either. We just did our point guard breakdown, and the top three that we got here— were Patrick Beverly, I feel like that one's fairly obvious. I think that we've talked about this and agreed that that is the number one overall free agent out of any position that we feel like the Kings should chase after. Am I right in thinking that? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, and then Corey Joseph was second and lacks the offense of Beverly, but you could even argue is maybe a better defender than Beverly. Uh, actually I'll take that back because Beverly's also able to switch on the threes and guard threes most yeah. of the time. Uh, but do you like the option of Joseph in that backup one?
2: I do like Joseph. Like you said, Beverly is a more, um, uh, uh he, he can spread out to more positions like you just said, whereas Joseph might be a better specific point guard defender, right? He can, he can really yeah. harass some guys. Beverly's more of he can switch, he can he can harass more positions, but maybe not quite the level as Joseph. So I think Joseph would be a really good target. Uh, cost level, again, might be a concern depending on what we do with the center option. Uh, but yeah, Joseph would, would rank highly on my list as well. Okay.
0: And then the third one we have is restricted. Uh, it is Thomas Sadoransky, but Washington's in such a terrible spot that if you like Sadoransky enough, you could definitely pay him out of there and it wouldn't even necessarily break the bank um sadaransky is the most offensive out of these guys he's talented from there 49 percent from the field 38 percent, i believe it is from deep good free throw shooter but the defense isn't there but he is six seven i want to say so that length does a lot of making up for it um he was third on our list but i value defense so i would very much prefer the second two but what are your thoughts on sadaransky
2: Rich has made me a Satoransky believer, right? So I, I try not to listen to Rich too much, but he has made me uh, a believer in him. I I didn't. I admittedly did not watch a lot of Wizards basketball this year because I mean I already have to watch Kings basketball, so I may as well not force myself <laughs> to watch the Wizards as well. Uh, but his his profile fits well with what the Kings would need. They need a shooter at that one spot. Um, just kind of bring another name. Like that's why I'm not a huge, very much into like a Ricky Rubio for the Kings. Um, a because I think he wants a bigger role. Also because he can't play off the ball effectively. So Ceterinski can shoot. He can drive. Um, he can. He's a. He's a very good. Um, he's a very good. He has very good court vision. He, he hooks his guys up a lot. In pretty low usage rate. Pretty high assist rate for a guy of his size. So I would like it. The the question with teams like the Wizards are yeah they are in cap hell so they can't spend too much but also are they going to let a young asset walk? Um, especially with Wall being out potentially all next year. Are they just going to punt next year? And, you know, I mean, who is their point guard if, if Wall's injured and Sadoransky's gone? Yeah. I think they might be more willing to match on Sadoransky than than the league thinks.
0: Yeah, agreed. And it's one of the guys that I believe they actually I they have bird rights to. Um, don't hold me to that, but they at least would be able to hold on to him. They're making decisions between Bobby Portis, Thomas Bryant and Sadoransky and to me number one on that list bringing back is Thomas Sadoransky so I would hope that Washington would go after him especially what they have five real spots next year and that's including Beal plus no cap space your draft pick ended up as bad as possible Uh Washington is in not a good space at all here after those three of Beverly, Joseph, Sadoransky is there anyone else that really makes your ears perk up when you're thinking about a backup point guard spot
2: over Peyton kind of perks my ears. I wouldn't put him on the level of those three. He's kind of the next year down. Um, he had a good year last year. He can't stay healthy. is probably my biggest concern. Um, and he can't really shoot either. So I would want to keep the OB for sure, because I don't think Peyton can necessarily last the whole season. Um, so he, he would be interesting to me. He, He has, I think, a little bit more of a reputation as a defender than actual impact on the floor. Um, but he, he does a little bit of everything. He was good for the Pelicans last year when he was actually playing and alongside Drew Holiday and Anthony Davis. So that would be kind of a second tier guy. Um, other than that, some other names you might hear associated with the Kings that I'm not interested in, uh, would be Ricky Rubio. I'm not really interested in Jeremy Lin. Um, that's a, the, the the backup point guard market, there's four or five pretty good guys. Then after that, I feel like there's kind of a drop-off that if I'm hitting that drop-off point, I, I'll i just stick with Yogi and not spend the money.
0: We just looked at shooting guards as well, um, mine and riches, And we looked at shooting guards because we're going through all five positions, but shooting guard very easily was the position that Kings do not need. So our argument was that it, it could either be a two that can guard the one and then bogey plays your point on offense or you're getting a two that practically is a three, um, but just sort of categorizes as a two. And the guy that we did really like there was Danny Green. I think that makes sense. You know, three and D guy, you see him guard that small forward and play that position a lot. The second guy on Rich's list, and I had a little bit of trouble getting behind this, was Terrence Ross. I've seen you pushing him as well. Talk me into Terrence Ross, because I feel like being an absolute hole and liability on the defensive end, I couldn't get behind. Like, I just don't feel like there's that need for offense. Of course, spark plugs are always helpful, but I just don't feel that need in the same way on that end. So here would be my defensive, Ross. So A, like you said, shooting guard, not a position of need. I would not prioritize it
2: at all in free agency whatsoever. Ross can shoot the heck out of the ball. Um, not a good defender at all. He's he's tall, but sometimes we way over prioritize height when if someone can't defend, they can't defend. he yeah. can't defend or won't defend. Uh, doesn't really rebound particularly well. Not a great passer either. My my biggest concern moving forward with the King's bench specifically is who's gonna score the ball. Right? We saw Bogey really struggled last year as the I don't even think the um Like running the offense was what he struggled with. He just didn't have a whole lot of options outside of Marvin Bagley. So if we push Bagley to the starting lineup, Bielitsa is a supporting cast player, which is fine, but he's going to get to maybe 10 points a game, 8 points a game off the bench. So where else is your offense coming from? And Ross is just a guy that can fill that role of, okay, you got Bogie attacking in the pick and roll, Uh, you've got Bielitsa and now Ross on the outside. Ross can also slash a little bit. He, He, to me... Alex Burks was terrible last year, and I was not a fan of that trade in general, um, but he is what some Kings fans hoped Alex Burks would be, and just he comes in the game, flames it from three, plays, you know, whatever, 15 minutes a game. He's, he's not a priority. Like, I would not spend money on Terrence Ross, and he's going to cost money,
0: but yeah. he's, he's a good player for me, if that makes sense. Yeah, I understand what you mean. You said he flames it from three. I know his nickname in Orlando is the Human Torch. He definitely heats oh, up and can take over games yeah. there. Um, like you said, it's not anything against Ross as a player. I think he is a decent player, and he can score, no doubt. Uh, once he heats up, you'll see him completely take over a quarter. But it's the money that it would cost, and I, I I just very much value defense. I feel like that bringing that to these guys, and if you have someone that doesn't play defense, that gets a little bit infectious at times. So I'm turned off from Ross because of that, but I could get behind it. Um, yeah, like we said, there's not really shooting guards that really fit with the Kings here. And we'll get into small forwards on one of our next episodes. Um, the last thing that I wanted to touch on, because this obviously just happened, it's the biggest news is Durant's Achilles injury. And that usually is about a year long recover. Obviously, um, we hope the complete best for Durant. It's terrible to see, but do you feel like that that alters this offseason? I mean, I saw you tweet about it, and I agree. I don't think that this is going to stop teams from sending out a four-year max contract. Kevin Durant is has an argument for being the best player in the NBA. Uh, you don't know if he's coming back the same way, but example, the New York Knicks quickly extending that max contract to Kevin Durant. He's getting it somewhere and there's talk of maybe the $31 million player option. And then you rehab in golden state. Uh, and also I've had conversations of people saying that, you know, there were talks previously that I didn't necessarily buy of Kawhi Leonard taking a short-term deal in Toronto and seeing someone go down really could deter people from that short-term deal or maybe these injuries, Kyrie sees this, and he's all of a sudden, okay, I need to take as many years, as much money as possible. How do you feel like this Durant injury alters this offseason?
2: You know, like you said, it's all going to depend on the player option. I think he's going to opt out. I think, frankly, the smart move for him would be to opt out. Um, He also only has about two weeks to make this call, right? So he's theoretically going to go through surgery in the next you know, week or so, next few days, and then he's going to recover, and you know, be going through the the hardest part of that process as he makes his player option decision. I think he'll ultimately opt out, like you said. Teams are going to offer him the max. Any team that doesn't have to win right now is it should offer him the max if they have the money. The Kings, the Mavericks, the the Nets, the Knicks, the, yeah. the whoever's you can name probably a dozen teams that should offer him the max, even though he may never come back to um, what he was. So. I I think it will impact free agency if he opts in, obviously, because then you've got your major player off the board and now the Knicks are scrambling and, you know, maybe the Nets and the Warriors, well, the Warriors wouldn't be scrambling at that point. Um, so, like you said, I hope he comes back full health, full recovery. I think he'll end up opting out and I think he'll end up maxing with the New York Knicks. I think that's just a a, a plan that's kind of written in stone for him. I don't think the Knicks would deny Durant just because they have to wait another year because they've been waiting years anyway. Um, from my perspective, and, and you can tell me if you would disagree, but this will never, ever, 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 ever happen. So I apologize to all my followers that always want me to push that Durant can sign with the Kings. But, I mean, if Durant was like, hey, Kings, give me a max contract after so I can recover from my Achilles, I'd do it in a heartbeat. So I think a lot of other teams are going to feel the same.
0: Agreed. Before he finishes saying that sentence, when he comes to yeah. Sacramento and says, I want, I'm putting the max on the table. Um, there's no reason you don't show some sort of loyalty to that guy. Like, I mean, if you're yeah. saying like, you know, I want to rehab here. Sure. Whatever it takes to keep you in Sacramento, yeah. you know, because then you have that pitch for when he comes out of it. Um, do you, th- I-, I agree with you. I think that he's going to end up in New York. But do you think, I think specifically Kyrie Irving here was someone that had been rumored to match, to, um, come together with Kevin Durant. There was a lot of news going around with Brooklyn now. Um, it feels like it does maybe take Brooklyn out of that because Kyrie just went through, you know, Gordon recovering and a really tough season that maybe that disencourages him from teaming up with Durant, but... I don't want to read into that too much. Assume what these guys are thinking. Um, I think that that was everything that I had for you, Tim. Is there anything else, general NBA Kings or anything that you feel like we want to touch on here?
2: Um, nothing I can really think of. I think uh, I think we have to accept the fact that the Kings are going to prioritize the center this offseason. So some folks are like, well, why don't we just give Giles and Bagley the shot? Which I'm not in total disagreement with, but I think one of the parts of analysis is just because you want something to happen doesn't mean it's, it should, it's going to happen So, and we've all been wrong plenty of times before so I think as Kings fans we have to, we have to accept the fact that um, the Kings are going to invest a serious amount of money in the position of center of the season so now it's up to us to try to figure out what that best fit will be um, other than that I think I'm out of words
0: Great and your number one guy was Deadman, right?
2: Deadman uh, is clear, my clear number one choice
0: on board with you there and I want to make sure I get your Twitter handle right it is at Tim Maxwell 22 correct that's correct or the Sacton Baby Draft I think you can find me that way as well there we go be sure to follow Tim on Twitter a lot of great content coming out there every day I know you do a lot of What stat do you want me to find? What do you want me to write about next? Check out his writings, especially that centerpiece at SackTownRoyalty.com. Tim does an absolutely great job. If you happen to be looking for a writer and you're listening to this, Tim is your guy. There you go. That is going to be it for this episode of the King's Pulse Podcast. Thank you to everybody for listening, and you will hear from us again in a couple days.